0: Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling along with many others that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets it is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects, and even more so the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on The Ledge of Web3. Welcome to another episode of The Ledge. My name is Chris Hartford, and this week I'm interviewing wonderful photographer from California, Reiner Hosh. Reiner, welcome to the show, man. How are you?
1: Thanks so much. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm good. It, it rained yet again in Southern California. So this old song, uh, it never rains. Uh, it ain't true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You guys are getting some crazy weather out there lately, huh? It seems like it's in the news every day.
1: Yeah. Lots of rain, the drought's officially over and, uh, we even see snow. Uh, back on the mountains, uh, my kids are begging me to drive them there. So hopefully this weekend we make it out into the snow.
0: Oh, that's nice, man. You live in a really nice
1: area in California. Tell me where you live. Um, I do. I live in Topanga Canyon, which uh, is kind of a little paradise tucked away between Santa Monica and Malibu. There's like a canyon that goes from Topanga Beach, Uh, all the way up and then over the hill. Uh, So while on the one side you have the beach and you have this beautiful canyon that is actually uh, the largest park worldwide within the vicinity of a city, uh, on the other side you have like Westfield Mall with uh, Apple Store and whatever else you need. So um, you kind of get the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a nice part of the world to live in. Are you a surfer? Are you into surfing?
1: Not yet. Uh, <laughs> I, I I I I'm dreaming uh, I will pick it up one of these days. Uh, I actually want to start with stand up uh, board, but uh, with three kids uh, that are six, nine, and eleven, uh, I just never get around to <laughs> you know taking care of. The man himself. (laughs) I understand that.
0: (laughs) I always wanted to be a surfer. I live in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, in the place where we met. And I'm very near the beach here. And uh, a lot of my friends are surfers. But I, I never it's something I just have never had the time to get
1: into. Yeah, we both have to pick it up at one point.
0: Yeah. I feel like you and I are pretty close to the same age. Do you want to say your age? You? sure
1: I, I, I'm I'm now 53 years old I'm born in 1970 and um, uh, I'm born in Vienna Austria and so I grew up in Vienna in the 70s which was kind of like the safest nicest place in the world or at least that's how I felt and uh, I I started photography and uh, it was pretty clear for me early on that i will not stay in vienna but um, i want to venture out into the world and uh in my early 20s i was really interested in fashion photography so uh i had three cities uh, that i considered which is paris london and new york and i traveled to all three cities with my with my work and and showed it to people and try to make connections. And uh, uh I met in New York, I met uh Walter Schupfer, my agent, who back then wasn't an agent yet. I, I became his first photographer. And uh he's still my agent now, uh, which uh, is is very unusual uh, in in our line of business. And uh yeah, uh I, I'm very happy and, and, and proud that uh you know, we we were able to to stick together and work together for such a long time.
0: That is that's a that's a really long time. When when did you come by living in the United States from Austria?
1: Um, I moved to New York when I was twenty-eight, so that was nineteen ninety-eight. Oh, wow. And I still got the tail end of the fabulous nineties. Uh I was going to say, the 90s in New York City was wild, man. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, I missed the really good years, but I got the tail end of it. And I remember at one point meeting some other photographer, and then he was asking me about my story. And then he's like, oh, now I get it. You are a 90s photographer. And I was like, what? (laughs) Uh, But I guess I was in the 90s. Did you get any good New York
0: photography in the, like, 90s photography while you were there?
1: Oh, yeah. You know, I I spent 15 years in in New York, and I did the full program. You know, I did – early on, I got nothing. Uh, I got zero jobs. Uh, I basically uh, lived uh, on $20 a day kind of situation, and uh, it was – a different time because there was no family, no kids. I had no responsibilities. I had no worries. I I, I didn't really care that I didn't work. I was just uh, thankful and grateful to be in New York and create images with people that I thought were the coolest people in the world and this was the coolest place in the world. And it was through Walter, my agent, that I met Steven Sprouse, the late designer and warhol uh disciple that uh my life changed uh because he uh, f- uh fell in love with my work with one story in particular and started to request me uh for all he he, he was relaunching his career and had a a, a second uh time where he launched a new collection with warhol prints and it was a big deal and i was somewhat suddenly his exclusive photographer with some exceptions of course and it propelled me from zero to yeah i wouldn't say 100 but it gave me it gave me a, a good start to get on on the road and and work for magazines. Suddenly, I worked for paper. I was ID magazine in London. What well, became a client, and uh, you know, I, I really started out uh, uh, mostly editorial work, uh, which now I mean it still exists, but it's there's no budgets. There's hardly any magazines anymore. It's it's it's, it's right. changed quite a lot.
0: Yeah, I'm sure things have changed a lot from then to now. What was your yeah. What was your education, uh, Rainer? What, what How did you-
1: I, I, I went to the and I translated uh, the graphic institute uh, in Vienna, which is like uh, you know after you you graduate from uh, high school, I guess you you do like a two year um, a college type education that. Uh, My dad also did, who who was also a photographer, so I followed his footsteps and it was, uh, um, you know, the typical photography school. Uh, We learned everything about photography back then, hardly any computer. It was all darkroom, develop processing film, doing prints. Um, It was not an art school. It was really, you know, uh, learning the craft of photography. Right. And yeah, uh, I was already shooting uh, jobs while I was doing the school. Um, yeah. You know, so um, I, I wanted to ask you about your family.
0: You mentioned your father was a photographer. Talk to me about your family of origin and what the what what kind of family would you, did you come from, and what did they do?
1: Um, well, uh, you know, uh, my my uh, on my mom's side, we're like from. Uh, a part uh, that is now part of uh, Czech or Slovakia. Actually, there used to be Czechoslovakia, uh, but when the Russians came, my grandparents uh, had to leave, and they they had to flee to Vienna and start start new. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were farmers, basically. My grandfather was farmer, and you know, while I was a kid, I I never really had any relationship to to farming or to digging the earth, or I don't know how I should say it, but now that I have a house and a garden, uh, the farmer in me is out. And uh, that's one of my hobbies or my my favorite pastime is spend the weekend in the garden and spend with the kids and clean up and dig around and plant stuff. And uh, so that was my mom's side. And then on my dad's side, uh, basically, he was a photographer. His, his father was uh, the head of uh, an auction house in Vienna, and he was the art specialist. He uh, So we have a lot of old art that he acquired during this career. And uh, my dad's cousin was a photographer. My great-great-grandfather was... Rainer harsha also and he was a book publisher so mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh history there and yeah. um uh, you know uh the story of my dad is actually connected and i know we're not there yet but uh, just to kind of uh, make the quick connection is connection to my my first nft collection because it's it's dedicated to him oh, and really? uh he died when i was 11. Uh, And uh, it was uh, a very sudden and unexpected event that uh, obviously was very dramatic for me and my mom. And uh, uh, I remember, you know, uh, exactly the moment my mom told me and uh, after crying and screaming and, you know, uh, coping with what she just said, uh, I, I said to her about... I want to keep the dog and uh, I want to keep uh, the cameras and my dad's cameras. And I decided on that day to carry on his legacy uh, for him since he wasn't able to do it anymore. And uh, I never I never thought that I never looked back. That was going to be my uh, my thing. And that's what I did. And I still have his cameras, of course. And uh, it was definitely something, you know, that gave me an advantage or an edge because uh, along the way, I met many people that were very talented artists and photographers, but they also had other interests and other things they wanted to explore. And uh, uh, I was always, this this is the road that I'm going and I'm going it uh, no matter what. And yeah um here i am uh well uh maybe we should uh, back up uh, <laughs> one year one one year ago nearly to the date it was actually march 17th uh-huh. is is when i launched my genesis collection that was called oh. 52 icons and the name 52 icons uh came for two reasons it was my 52nd birthday uh, mm-hmm. On March eleventh, we were trying to to, to launch March eleventh. Got delayed a couple of days, uh, yeah. so it was my fifty two birthday, but it was also the age that my dad was when he passed away. Uh, so when we were uh, working out the collection, and we were thinking, well, what what are we gonna do? Is it gonna be a hundred icons, or you know? And then when the fifty two story came up, we were like, that's it. 52 icons and uh my dad is icon number one and the series is dedicated to him and uh to to his legacy and uh yeah uh it's the only icon that still uh belongs to me all the other ones are now out in the world with collectors very successful. And, uh,
0: I, I remember when you launched that collection. I Actually, I've been following you on Twitter for longer than a year, probably. And uh, I remember when that came out. Yeah, that's really uh, interesting story behind all of that. Very cool.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I really feel sometimes... Um, well, let me rephrase this. I really think the story for um, an art project or an NFT project... Is, is, is the most important thing, and if if, yeah. if I would have launched the same uh, the same collection or a similar collection without this personal story that explains it all, uh, I don't think you know it would have resonated uh, the same way with 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 the people um, as the way we did as 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 it did, sure. and um, <clears throat> the other thing that really i think i think we kind of invented and i quickly maybe want to uh talk about the fact that uh i really have a team uh here uh uh, we're doing this together with two other guys Mm -hmm. and uh we have um You know, Mike Hager, who you also met at the party, I think. Uh, He's like the German NFT Pope, as they call him. His new book just came out last week. It's uh, on uh, uh, third place on the German uh, bestseller list now. Uh, So uh, he has a mentoring group that I was a part of. And um, uh, we ended up doing this collection together, him as kind of like my advisor and as my mentor, and then we brought on Alex Sachs, who is a developer, who mm-hmm. handles uh, all my contracts and uh, all the right. technical parts of of my collections. And um, when when we initially got together and launched this collection, we did not um, mint fifty two portraits, and then uh, went. Uh, our way to say, "Hey, uh, here's 52. Uh, would you like one?" But uh, we invented the riddle drop, and we played a game every day on Twitter. Uh, so every day, one riddle for one icon, and then right. the the person who solves the riddle uh, can buy the icon, uh, and <laughs> That really changed everything. Because uh, from me uh, being in a position that I have something that I want to sell, uh, it turned the table. And I had, in the be- at the first day, I had like, I don't know, 20, 30 people playing. On the last day, there were like six 700 answers coming wow. in the moment I dropped the question. Uh, <laughs> And people were, you know, uh, really, really into uh, getting one of these icons. And um, I I always, you know. uh, Did did the number of
0: people that solved the riddle determine the addition size? Or is that how that worked? uh,
1: Well, uh, actually, they were all one-of-ones. Okay. Um, So there was was only the, the first person that solved the riddle was uh, the winner and you know I remember saying to Mike well that's a great idea Mike but what if nobody plays and he was like oh don't worry people love games and that's how it, that's how it was and in the beginning basically the question was always kind of like in a way that you would guess the icon And then whoever got the icon first uh, would be able to buy it. But after a while, we realized uh, people would just throw in any name that they knew that I had photographed uh, in to be the first one. So, well, we needed to switch up our riddle game. And also we realized um, Iggy Pop was by far the most requested or most dropped answer in all of the the game. So at one point, you know, so we had meetings every day, every week to determine the next icon. We didn't have it all planned out. We started with the first seven and built on that. And then during one of these meetings, uh, the boys asked me, well, you know, what about we make Iggy an open edition. What do you think? And give everyone an Iggy. And cool. we were, I was cool. like, yes, that's it. So uh, we take this unusual step that we have a collection of 51 101s okay. uh, and one open edition uh, that really uh, changed everything again because instead of... Uh, having 52 collectors, I ended up with a thousand collectors. That's great, and uh, it, that showed me uh, the power uh, of an open edition. And yeah. uh, it was, uh, I think, a record-breaking mint uh, because it was open for 20, uh, sorry, for 52 hours. Uh And we minted uh, 3,537 Iggy Pops uh, at 0.052 a hit. And, uh, yeah, uh, um, I I don't think uh, there's any other open edition last year that beat that, and it really put me Mm -hmm. on the map. And not only, you know, did I gain... All these collectors, but I think it was actually after 24 hours. Um, we had minted about a thousand Iggy's uh, when we had our meeting. And, and Mike was asking me, Well, how many of these Iggy's do you have like in, in that shoot? Like, how many good images do you have? And I was like, Well, Mike, it's really funny that you ask me because normally <laughs> on, on, on a regular shoot, I have like I would say 10% winners. And then you have like a bunch of mediocre stuff and then you have like the bad stuff. But with this shot with Iggy, every shot was amazing. Like he changed literally the expression for every picture. And I would just staccato style shoot for like, I don't know, we shot for like half an hour. And uh, so I said, you know, I always had the imagination that i would do a book about this shoot because it was like uh such an impact on my career and on on my way of of uh, uh, shooting also you know that light that i used for that shoot is still getting requested now by clients uh um you know th- 20 years later wow. and uh so We came up with the idea after 24 hours into the mint to say to people, okay, so you can mint one and have your Iggy and be happy. Or you can mint 10. And then at a later point, you'll be able to burn these 10 for a one of one (laughs) Uh, So we went from 1,000 mints to the 3,500 mints in the next 24 hours. and. My second collection, which is called "207 Faces of Iggy," uh, basically came out of my first collection. Out of this open edition uh, came a burn that created my my second collection. Um, so yeah, it was um, a very special time. And, you know, it was also before the bear. It was before the bear. It was the the pool was still raging and people were pumped up and uh yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was yeah. a hell of a ride congratulations
0: on that uh crazy man that's a crazy story and really incredible man yeah
1: thank you thank you, you. yeah
0: how did, how did you get from uh from being this like photographer uh in new york city to to the digital world of nfts and and all of that who who onboarded you into this
1: um, uh, a, a good friend of mine invited me for a job to Vienna, Austria, uh, right. which, you know, if I, if I hear about a job in Austria, I'm always all ears because I want to go see my mom. Yeah. And this was uh, doing portraits for an art fair called the Vienna Contemporary Art Fair. Okay. And uh, one part of my assignment was uh, taking portraits of people that were on panels and the one panel was was actually a satellite event was called NFTs the future of art question mark and um, it was a really interesting uh panel and i i i knew about crypto you know i had thoughts what, year, bought some what year was that what year was that? that that was september of 21 okay so you know corona was about calming down i remember during yeah. corona i op- i opened up a robin hood account and started buying bitcoin uh right. but i had no uh, ethereum experience and nfts did not yeah. really ring a bell until that day right. and one of my subjects was penua Pagodo, who is uh, one of the three founders of artifact uh oh. And we went, uh, you know, for a coffee. And I asked him to tell me more. And he was actually, you know, how could I get into it, or what would be a good way uh, to, to 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 start? And he was yeah. like, "Well, you get a MetaMask, you get Ethereum, and then uh, in I think this was end of September, I think uh, in November." of 21 artifact lounge, the clone X collection. So he told me about that. And then, you know, I was basically preparing, uh, for the clone X mint. And I don't know if you remember that mint, but it was a mess. Uh, (laughs) it started at three e's as like a Dutch auction. Uh, I bought immediately because I had FOMO that I wouldn't get a clone. Uh, I bought at 3Es, immediately got my mint vial. And then at 2Es, the the, 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 the mint broke down, and they had to cancel it. And then when they came back the next day, they were like, "Okay, this is a fixed price now uh, for 2Es. (laughs) And we were all like, what? We rented for 3Es? That's not fair? so they dropped a 1,000 people that uh, had minted, got dropped the second mint vial for free. Wow. So I got the second mint while So now I had two Clone X worth $24,000 at that time, the ETH price. Oh. Yeah. And then I wanted to mint something else, and I made a mistake, and I went on to a malicious uh, fake website. Oh. Oh. Yeah, and as as quickly as I had um, my clones, they work on again, and uh, uh, it 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 was really you know uh, a crazy day because I re- I remember mm-hmm. uh, it it was Sunday and we, my wife was basically calling me to lunch, yeah, and I had to go out there and say, and she's like, "What's wrong?" and I was like, "Darling, I just got scammed." And she's like, what, for, 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 for what? It was like NFTs. She's like, how much money? I'm like, well, 24 grand. She's like, what? Oh my God, you have to call the police. I'm like, sorry, darling, but the, 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 the police can't help me. And she's like, yeah. what do you mean? What do you mean? I, I don't understand, you know? So it, it was horrible. And uh, I was dedicated, you know, I was deflated for like uh, an afternoon, and then yeah. I was like, okay, uh, this was my mistake. I'm not going to give up. I, I, I'm going to buy another clone once, you know, they reveal. I'm going to pick up one off the floor. I need to get more ETH. And then I was looking for people to help me because I felt like sitting here, okay, Benoit onboarded me. But then, you know, sitting in my in my office here in Topanga by myself and trying to navigate the world of Web3, uh, I, I was, you know, I, I, ne- I needed a team or I needed people to support me. And, yeah. you know, I, unfortunately, at that point, uh, I, I had missed completely the whole um, um, uh, clubhouse scene. And, yeah. you know, people were already, crypto Venetian, Sprite Moments was already going, so right. there would have been a lot of people in LA that I could have connected to, but I, I didn't know. Uh, sure. So I looked, to, I looked to YouTube and I found a, a video by Mike Haga, who's, you know, uh, uh, has the mentoring, but also does free YouTube videos to, to yeah. help onboard people. And he did one about ledger and security and I, I watched it. And then he says, uh, if you want to learn more, click the link down low and join my mentoring. And I clicked the link and we had a talk, and in December of 21, I joined the mentoring. So you're uh, good friends, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the 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 whole mentoring really also changed uh the story of my collection because at first uh, I really concentrated on collecting. I, I didn't join the mentoring with the thought. I mean, I had the afterthought one day I will do my own collection, but I yeah. definitely didn't think it was going to be as quickly as it, as it happened. Uh, so I dug into December. I remember there was a lot of video material that I had to watch to get up to speed, And I basically spent my Christmas holidays, uh, in the 21, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the family was sleeping in and I was getting up at five every morning and watching three videos in a row, uh, learning about the central games and learning it, you know, uh, you know, and so I knew the mentoring at that time was about 500 people and we had a discord. So we, I was interacting with people from the space every day, and people would ask me, "So Rana, you're a photographer with all these uh, uh portraits. When are you doing your collection so by the time I got around to decide to do it, I had basically already people waiting for it to to maybe be part of it uh, yeah. and you know when the when the famous uh, argument comes up, uh, you know, when you want to have a successful NFT collection, you need a community. Uh, I already had this this base community of, of other collectors that I knew, uh, and some of them, you know, ended up being collectors and supported me, and uh, some of them are still one-of-one one holders from from day one. And uh, um, yeah. Uh, so so that, yeah, that's yeah. kind of like how the how, how this how the journey started. And uh, <clears throat> the the thing that put me over the edge to, to try it myself was Justin Avassano, the legendary twin flames creator. Yeah, yeah uh, he's done incredibly he, well. Yeah. He he was a guest at the mentoring. Mike is very well connected and he brings people like G Mani or Snowfro into the mentoring and interviews them for an hour Mm. and uh, try to get some offer for us and, uh, you know, just learn from the people, from the best. And uh, I remember him asking Justin, so Justin, if you would do anything different uh, with all your success with Flames in hindsight, what would you do different? And he answered, I would not open, I would not mint on OpenSea again, but I would make my own contract. Mm. And that really stuck with me. And when I went into the discord the next day, I asked, uh, uh, my fellow collectors, uh, I want to, I, I want to find the contract guy. Can you, can anybody, uh, direct me, uh, to someone? Uh, and somebody said, Well, uh, did you talk to Mike's guy, Alex? And I was like, No. So I made an appointment with Alex and talked to him about the idea of making a collection and wanting to have my own contract, uh, knowing that, you know, that, that that's what you should do if you were serious about creating a long term collection. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, well, have you talked to Mike about the project already? I was like, no, you're the first one I'm talking to you. And he's like, well, let's get Mike into the conversation. And we started talking. And after talking for an hour or two, we decided let's do this together. Meaning instead of like paying for their services, uh, we just, uh, you know, uh, doing it together and uh, sharing the benefits or the the uh, the, the outcome together uh, with with the big starting benefit that if it wouldn't have worked out, then I wouldn't have owed anything, you know. Uh, yeah. So um, I think you know while uh, the beauty of of the blockchain can also be that you don't need anyone, you don't need a gallery, or you don't need uh, an agent. From my personal experience, is it's better if you have a team because the whole thought of me uh, looking back at this one year of events, having to do this by myself and taking all decisions by myself, yeah, that would have been a lot. I really prefer... <laughs> That up, man, because I ask everybody
0: that I talk to this question, like, do you work? Who do you work with? Like, what's your, who, you know, who helps you? I ask every artist that I interview that question. Many, many, many of them just work alone, you know?
1: Yes. Um, And, you know, I I don't want to discourage people to do that because it is the beauty of this new technology that you can do it. But I also have to say, I know a lot of photographers that have beautiful work and minted it and have, don't have one sale you know yeah. it's just like it's because nobody minted, sees it yeah, yeah mint and forgotten so uh, yeah. if you're technically enough i mean now manifold has come a, a long way but yeah. a year ago uh, for me to think about creating my own contract was impossible right. and also and and, and uh, you know uh, to promote myself uh, would have been, I mean, not impossible. I had uh, uh, I had a bit of a uh, Twitter yeah. following, but it's hard as an artist to toot your own horn. Uh, I, I really, I, I really, yeah. you know. Um, it's hard so, as a podcast.
0: That, I have this podcast and it's hard for me to toot my own horn about that, I like to try to get people to listen to it. Engagement farming on Twitter is the worst. I hate doing it. I hate it.
1: <laughs> It's tough. It's really tough. And, you know, uh, magically, uh, after putting in the commitment that I'm on it every day, uh, yeah. now I kind of got sucked into the algorithm, into the famous algorithm. And I get like, I don't know, 20, 30 followers a day. Uh, it's, and uh, it, it, the, 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 i don't even you know i don't even know what i exactly did to to get into this written other than being on every day uh posting every day answering every day and also you know uh follow other people and follow back and follow uh, join twitter spaces look who's in there follow all the people that hosted space and just kind of try to get some traction uh,
0: yeah. yeah, that's great, great suggestion. Yeah, you and I met each other uh, in person at the Beeple Gallery grand opening in Charleston. How is it that you came to be at that grand opening?
1: I was lucky, uh, that Mike is a people collector. M- Mike has yeah. about the most, uh, amazing NFT collection there is. He has 10 apes, four punks, uh uh chromie squiggles he has the complete set uh, quantum set uh yeah he's just a serious serious collector and so he got invited with a plus one and he was initially gonna bring uh his beautiful wife and Mm -hmm. that didn't work out and i was the next best uh guy and uh you know i jumped on the occasion and uh It was, um, you know, it really changed my mind on people because, you know, I knew he was a big artist, but I never really understood the craze for him. And, you know, also some of his work is maybe was a little bit too um, extreme for me, you know. um, It's vulgar. um, Yeah, you know, and... uh, but once I was there, and I saw this whole show, and I saw I was able to watch his career, you know, this museum of his career, where you could see where he started uh, with those computers to where he is now, and then seeing him doing this performance, uh, creating this art, and then uh, the, the 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 printouts floating from the ceiling it was insane it, yeah. it it clicked for me this guy is a new warhol he is that,
0: right. uh, I, I left there feeling like Beeple could probably be like one of the most important artists
1: of our time like he's got to be that, right that, yeah. That, yeah. that's exactly the feeling that i left with and you know uh it was it 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 was just really a feeling that I left with, but that feeling, I was on a high for like a week from this event. Yeah. And uh, the feeling that I have now is nothing but utmost respect uh, for this work and for what it does, for the space and for the art in general. And, uh, yeah. I uh, feel very very lucky that I was
0: able to be there for that. That was an incredible experience that I will never forget in
1: my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. S-s- same here. And I'm sure there will be other openings there, but yeah. there was only one first opening. And Guess how I got in there. Ah, How did you get into the people
0: part? <laughs> I came in as a plus one too. <laughs> ah, nice. So nice. I do this podcast. I interview all these artists. A couple of weeks before the show, I interviewed a guy. His name is David Henry Nobody Jr. He's the guy that was walking around with all the puppies on the suit, if you remember ah, that. Ah,
1: yes. I remember He's a him very much. incredible
0: babe. artist. This guy's super cool. He lives in New York. He's a really cool performance artist. He was a guest on the podcast. He told me he was coming to Charleston to because his – Work got in the show, and the same thing that you just said, his girlfriend couldn't come, and he was able to take me as a plus one. Man, it was really good. Wonderful. It was really
1: great. Wonderful. And as a result yeah. of
0: that, and as a result of that, then I got into a little Twitter group of people that were in Charleston for the show. And another guy had a plus one, and I got my wife in. So we both got to go. It was really just – we were both just blown away, man. It was so, like, fortunate. I feel, you know, beyond fortunate that I was able to be there for that. And I got to meet a bunch of people like myself and, you know, a bunch of really great people there as well, which was –
1: Yeah, and, you know, I'm happy it worked out for you because you, out of all people, doing a podcast uh, out of South Carolina, you should have been there. So
0: well, it works. the world works the way it's supposed to sometimes, man. Yeah.
1: So, you know, your next step is uh, after we, we're done with recording, uh, you have to reach out to people and invite him to the podcast because, uh, well, you know. I, I asked people uh, he, to be on the
0: podcast and I, he gave me the number of his brothers and I am going to reach out to them and try to get people on here. I, I am. That is a goal.
1: Yeah, you sure. definitely should and honestly i mean i i don't know if he's on a lot of these podcasts but i i, I know he, he he's a supporter and i'm sure it means something that you're uh, um, uh, uh that you're uh, sending out from south carolina so um I keep yeah. the fingers crossed for you, and uh, <laughs> we, we all wa- we all want to hear from people, and and here you know, uh, especially since you were there of, in this at uh, this important night, it 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 would be so interesting to talk to him about how he experienced the night. And yeah, uh, I would love
0: to hear that. Yeah, so hopefully that'll work out. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm got my, like you said, my fingers are crossed, (laughs) and uh, I'm here for it (laughs) for sure.
1: Right, awesome.
0: Let me ask you a question, man. You, you, I was looking at your bio and your website. You've photographed a ton of famous people. How, how did you come by um, that as your career?
1: Well, you know, it kind of uh happened gradually you know as i said in the beginning i was really fascinated by the fashion world and uh when i arrived in new york that was that was my main my main goal but you know portraiture is something even even if you concentrate on fashion that uh, you naturally do a portrait of steven sprouse a portrait of people of of musicians uh that's that's kind of like my root a little bit when i was a teenager uh, I wanted to be a musician, like many photographers are hindered musicians. And right. uh, after trying drums, bass, singing, and my friends telling me I had zero talent and no rhythm, uh, I became the photographer and video maker for all my friends that, that had the talent. Uh, yeah. And that way I got to go to the concerts and I got to hang out backstage. And And so I, I always had this drive. Uh, to meet people through my photography. Yeah. And uh, as as I told you, I was already working during photography school, and uh, yeah. that's kind of like how I started making a living by sh- uh, shooting record covers uh, yeah. for bands in Vienna. Those, a lot of these acts were not internationally famous because, you know, out of Austria. Uh, yeah. But at one point, I got to work with my... With my idol, with my icon from when I was a teenager, when 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 I think it was I was thirteen or fourteen in '84, 80, Falco, uh, the Austrian artist, went number one in the yeah. United States <laughs> with <laughs> "Rock Me, Amadeus." Got my "Rock remember, Me, Amadeus." I remember, I Amadeus, remember, Amadeus. So That's quite you know, my man. Yeah. For, for, for me, as a teenager in Vienna, I was like, oh yeah. Of course, a guy from Vienna is number one in the United States by r- rapping, you know, like, of course. But I realized very quickly there's only one Falco and uh, nobody ever uh, did that stunt again. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was a Faco fan all my life. And just before I moved to New York in 96, uh, I got a call from a model agent and she said, ah, you know, I, I did testing for models, like test shoots where, you know, they pay you a small fee and you do like three looks for their for their model portfolio. And yeah. she called me and was like, I have someone special. It's a Canadian girl. She's beautiful. And uh, she's Farco's girlfriend. Uh, okay. So can you do me a favor and, and do a free shoot for her? I was like, hey, I'm the biggest Farco fan. Of course, I'm <laughs> yeah, in. Right? So... I sure. did the shoot with her and I handed in the, the, the work, the contact sheets. And uh, the next day, uh, uh, the, the agent calls me and says, um, I just heard from Falco and he's in love with the pictures you took of his girlfriend. And he's wondering if he may call you uh, to talk to you about something. And I was like, yes, he may call me. <laughs> And then I hung up and I jumped up and down and, uh, you know, that was it for me. And and I ended up shooting his uh, record cover and uh, uh, that was kind of like uh, the job that I was dreaming of and that was kind of like the decision, okay, I, I yeah. shot Falcona. now, it's time to move to New York because there's nothing else here for me. My dream... My dream is fulfilled. Let's be dream bigger.
0: I know you shot uh, Iggy Pop. Uh, tell me some other like uh, icons that you shot that stick out in your mind.
1: Oh, well, you know, um, I and shot... I know that,
0: uh, I'm, I'm asking you, like, some people that were really notable that would stick out to you. <laughs>
1: right. Um, you know, uh, obviously, if I talk about celebrities, I have to mention George Clooney. Uh, for numerous reasons. Uh, first of all, I've worked with him. I've worked with him on and uh, off for over ten years. So uh, we do a regular gig for a big coffee brand. And not only is he George Clooney, but he's everything you hope he would be. He's the coolest guy. He has the best stories, and wow. he's he's nice. Uh, <laughs> Uh, to yeah. everyone, you know, I mean, don't, with him. don't get yeah, me wrong, like, but he, 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 he's the guy people. that that. and actually I have to say that to most A-league talent, uh, yeah. the bigger the people yeah. are, the more down to earth they are. Uh, yeah. It's really yeah. mostly the, the artists that are yeah. trying to be George Clooney that think they have to have an attitude towards <laughs> whatever, a stylist, a makeup artist or um right so um but the beauty i think of my career and uh or the beauty of portrait photography in general is yes you know uh i worked with iggy pop and george clooney but i really work with legends out of every uh field uh so when people call me a celebrity photographer i'm always a little bit like "Mm." I don't like that very much because I I do work with celebrities, but I also work with people from the sports world, you know, famous football players, baseball players. I work with business people. Mark Cuban is a part of my collection. Uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch. Uh, And wow. That's what I like. Yes, it's nice to work with a famous actor or a famous musician, but it's also interesting to meet a very advanced scientist or somebody who is, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a really great artist. I love to meet artists in their studios and uh, work with them and talk to them about their process. So it's really the diversity of of the caliber of people. That makes me uh, look back at my career very uh, grateful uh, that I was able to meet all these people.
0: How has your exposure to all of those people changed your like worldview?
1: Well, wow. Um, I guess uh, it really made me realize that the people who are on top of their game, in their field, Mm -hmm. uh, are the hardest workers, they really are. I mean, yes, they have talent. It's kind of like talent, yes, you have to have talent, but talent is nearly like the prerequisite to play the game. Uh, But uh, there's lots of people with talent, but the the, the people that Get on top and especially stay on top because it's one thing uh, to get one number one in the US, but you know it's yeah. another game to have ten or fifteen uh, number one hits. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 <clears throat> it's hard work, and yeah. it's getting up every day and uh, chipping away at it.
0: Yeah, has that influenced you in your own like career and work ethic? Uh,
1: totally it, 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 every day um uh, i get up and uh, you work from I home mean, you work from a studio
0: you told people, me you had a
1: people would say i'm a workaholic for sure but it's just yeah. like um for me it's not work it's just following the past and yeah. uh, you know some things are more fun than others like i rather shoot uh than do bookkeeping but <laughs> you know right. it, 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 it's 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 all uh it's all uh, uh it, it all goes hand in hand and um in terms of my setup i have a home office here in topanga huh. so normally uh on mondays and fridays i, I try to avoid traffic here in la and just yeah work out of the home and maybe use the day to do reaching out to people doing bookkeeping um maybe you know deal with 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 stuff concerning the family uh and uh then the other three days i try to get down i have a studio in santa monica at santa monica airport and i try to get there and either shoot or uh you know do prints or uh yeah to to get creative you know get get uh move forward and um I really have to say, uh, Web three was a game changer for me because, um, you know, while my my business or my my operations as a photographer has stayed the same, uh, me as an artist connecting to people who want to collect some of yep. my art uh, in the old days it was prints only. Uh, right. It, it has exploded, you know, like I have now, uh, it, it's the, the number is not a hundred percent clear because people have multiple wallets. But yeah, sure. if, if, if I, if I guess, uh, conservatively, I have like over 2000 collectors, wow. uh, in one year. Uh, and obviously they're not all one-on-one holders and they didn't spend exactly. a lot of money, but they love my work. And, uh, they right. follow me, and they give me motivation to get up every day and uh, have a Discord channel and go yeah. in there and interact and be available for them. Nice. And uh, it's, it's something that is not possible, or well, would have not been possible uh, without Web3. And yeah. uh, I actually <clears throat> was invited in November by the German Art Directors Club, uh, they had a one-day Metaverse event, and they asked me to do a speech there. And I was like, yeah. "Wow, German Art Directors Club! I have to do it." So yeah. I ended—I ended up being the last speaker of mm-hmm. the day with the longest time. And I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, I was so nervous, <laughs> yeah. uh, but. Uh, You know, just the fact that, you know, I get invited to that and I'm allowed to speak about my art and and my collectors uh, was huge. And, you know, I wanted to come up with something. I wanted to boil my half an hour down to something for people to take away with. And what I came up with, the one sentence for everyone to take away with was digital art is the future. And. I really feel any artist that excludes themselves from digital art, and, you know, you can tell I'm trying not to use the word NFT because NFT has such a – it has a good name and a bad name, if you know what I mean. Uh, But for for any artist not to offer their art – in a digital form to their collectors is like only playing to half to their arena. It's why would you not have digital art available for your collectors? Why yeah. would you exclude yourself? Um so that's that's really kind of like my my onboarding game for people who ask me, should I uh, would I, uh, what if, you know, I say do yeah. it because it opens a lot of doors. And uh, it's heartbreaking when they ask the stigma,
0: me. The stigma. Of totally. It, you know, it, the traditional art world is. is
1: not excited about
0: the crypto art movement.
1: <laughs> no, I, I guess not. I mean, part of it is because, you know, they have fear of what they don't know. And yeah. a part of it is just like they don't know. Uh, But I think things are slowly changing, you know, museums are getting aware of the great art that is out there. And, um, you know, um, yeah, I I really loved your podcast with Patrick uh, the other day. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Talking about digital art because his career already started as a digital artist and, and the way he described his journey. Right. Um, uh, wh- whoever hasn't listened to that episode, go back and check it out. It's, it's, it's That's really great. amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and, and, and mm-hmm. for me, you know, I was just, uh, a guy trying to sell prints, but, uh, maybe to quickly, uh, uh give, give another onboarding, um, uh, sure. bit that I have. Okay. Selling a print. If you haven't tried it, I can tell you it's really hard. Uh, First of all, you need the collector to come to somewhere where you can show him a print, Uh, then he needs to find a print that he or she likes. Then they also need to convince their partner that that's the print they should get. Then, you know, they need to have the wall space for whatever you're offering. Right. Then, once they agree and they buy the print, it has to go to the framer. It has to be framed. Uh, then it has to be shipped. Uh, then it has to be hung. If it's a big piece, they, they cannot just flip it up on the wall. And it has to yeah. be hung. And and yeah. then they have it there. If it's worth some money, they might have to insure it. And then, after five years' time, if they want to change it, they have to store it. So... Yeah. Uh, all of that process falls away if I can take the same piece of art and sell it to someone in digital yeah. form. They have yeah. it in seconds in their wallet. And, you know, if they have a screen on their wall, they can put it up there in seconds. So, so no if, if, that's, if that's not the future, then <laughs> you tell me, you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't, you can't see in my office, but I've got, like, tubes. i got all these tubes
0: of prints and things that I need to get framed. I can't even find time to go frame all of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and you <laughs> know, I, I'm, I'm not… A, I'm, I'm not a streamer and do all of that. <laughs> i got,
0: I, got, I got a bunch of them.
1: <laughs> totally. And, you know, the last thing I, I want to do is speak against the physical. The physical is beautiful, and we need yeah. it. And yeah. it, it, right now the movement is you get the physical and the NFT… Uh, in in yeah. in so many ways, shapes or forms, but it's really more the argument: w- what could be wrong with digital art? I mean, I I don't see it. Who do you collect? Who do you
0: who you collect? And you buy it on anything right now?
1: Oh, I, I I'm I'm addicted to collecting. So um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's really what do I not collect? Um, and you know. <laughs> Uh, I'm really, I'm really into Michelle Thompson, who's a British artist yeah. that uh, that does works with collages and cutouts. Uh, but I, I have a Max Payne because I love X Copy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I obviously uh, collect photography. I have a huge collection of August Sander NFTs. I don't know if if you followed that collection, I do. but. Uh, uh, now, uh, last week was a Twitter space with Julian Sander saying you can now claim your contact sheets, oh. physical contact sheets, which is wow. huge. Like, I hold 25 because uh, I collect contact sheets, like real contact sheets. And so I now will get 25 August Sander contact sheets. I mean, wow. it's mind blowing, this project. Uh, and then. You know, I also really try because, you know, with my success uh, came uh, also some ETH. And uh, uh, first of all, I haven't taken one ETH out of the market. Uh, Everything is still in ETH. And I buy young photographers that I like. I have a lot of Turkish guys that I support. And I I just want to give back to the community that way and help people. Um, not only, you know, by buying, uh, uh, an NFT, but also posting about it on Twitter and yeah. maybe, uh, get some other people interested I- in their art.
0: Yeah. That's a wonderful uh, way to support artists. Yeah. That's incredible. <clears throat> I want to ask you before we get off uh, about your hardware, what, what do you, you know, what do you use to create your art? Like what kind of cameras are you using? What kind of programs do you use? How do you? What do you use?
1: Um, I, at the moment, this, this is an ever-changing arsenal. Like, you know, as a photographer, yeah. you're sure. basically yeah. constantly buying and selling gear. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I used to be uh, the t- typical film guy that would shoot with uh, Mamiya medium format. And then when digital yeah. came along, my first camera was the Canon 5D. Uh, because that was affordable, and and I, yeah. I you know, I remember thinking, oh, mm. I don't, I don't think I'm going to switch to digital in my lifetime. I, I'm going to stay on film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, very funny. Uh, so uh, I had a bunch of Canon, and then the Nikon D800 came out, and then I oh, switched yeah. to Nikon, and then I really uh, was fascinated by mirrorless. So, I switched to Sony, and this is what I'm still shooting for, uh, you know, my on-the-go kind of stuff, is Sony Alpha 7. I think I have the R3 at the moment, but I want to get the new one. Those are killer. Uh, And they're just just really good, and and, and Sony uh, did the opposite of Nikon, and they really listened to the people that use the cameras and change the things that we didn't like every yeah. time around. So each generation of the Sony is getting better and cheaper. Yeah. Uh, and then for the studio, I have a Hasselblad. Uh, it's, it's the small one, the H1D2, I think it's called. So it's yeah. a medium format sensor, and it's it's just ups the game a little bit from the usual... Uh, uh, <laughs> Sony uh, quality, but yeah. it's nothing that you want to run around and run and gun with. So you know it's kind of yeah. like each camera has its its place and its use. Yeah, um, it's and, an and then I, st- I still I still shoot film, you know, for certain projects. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, a friend of mine has the Fuji medium format now. He's Speaking very highly of it, I'm borrowing it on Friday. Uh, I use a to, Fuji. Uh, to... I
0: use a Fuji mirrorless, the XT four. That's what I shoot my photography with. I mean, I'm just an amateur. Yeah, not, not you know, on niche. <laughs> I,
1: I have a I have a Fuji shoot point and shoot too. Uh, yeah. Fuji does a great job with their sensors and yeah. the, the way you know what I love about Fuji, you can shoot straight to JPEGs. Uh, right. You right. know, say give me the raw and a JPEG, and the JPEG comes out rendered beautifully. Yeah. Uh, so you can you can use it without you know uh, doing it all yourself. Uh, but in t- in terms of post production, you know, I use uh, Capture One if I oh. capture into the computer. That's the most stable program I find for uh, uh, capturing. And then uh, I use Lightroom and Photoshop, and uh, you know I do very little retouching. Uh, I always describe it as uh, using a little bit of kindness.
0: Yeah, I'm teaching myself how to use a program right now on my iPad called Procreate. You ever played with that?
1: No, I heard about it, but uh, uh, yeah, it's a very cool.
0: Yeah. I don't know it's a little bit like uh, like Photoshop,
1: but it's like very intuitive. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now everything is different. AI yeah, yeah. <laughs> has come and changed the world or is changing the world. today I saw there's a letter of Elon Musk with a whole lot of other people uh, open letter. Uh, saying, let's please uh, get off the gas with the AI because it's it's gonna be scary if we if we keep pushing like that. But, have you even um, tried yeah. using AI at
0: all in your art? Have you tried? tried I, at all?
1: I haven't found I haven't found the right angle yet uh, yeah. because I'm known for the authentic portrait. Yeah. So um, it's kind of like uh, the opposite of what I'm doing. Sure. Uh, but I am fascinated by it. And uh you know uh I, I recently bought uh, my my colleague and friend Barry Sutton came up with a really cool uh uh AI portrait collection. Uh, I, I I bought I minted one of those because uh mm. it is fascinating what yeah. you can do with it, and it's only the beginning. Um So, yeah, uh, I I recommend you invite Barry. I can make the connection here, too, because he he could speak to to AI uh, and photography way more uh, than I could since. uh, You know, it's funny. I I wanted to see a couple of things, uh, how it came out, but I didn't want to. I was like, I want to keep my mind clean. And uh, (laughs) so... I ask somebody who uses mid-journey to, to put the quote the, 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 the words in for me and send me what comes out. And I, <laughs> I, 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 I want to stay completely clean until I know what I want to do with it. And then, obviously, yeah, I, I will use it. Why not? You know? uh, technology is here for us, not against us.
0: Yeah, I think so. And uh, you know, a lot of um, you know, the retouching like uh you were talking about using Lightroom, maybe if you're retouching photos, a lot of I think they're gonna start integrating AI into that, where it'll just be
1: like yeah, yeah, I think actually my friend sent me yesterday Adobe already has AI integrated. Is it called yeah. Firefly? With, with something like with, that. Yeah, I think
0: that sounds right actually. Firefly. That sounds like uh
1: yeah up. adobe firefly i mean they're obviously way way behind mid in terms of the technology but where they are ahead of the game and uh, i thought that was an interesting point is mid cannot give you any kind of copyrights because they haven't cleared any of the images that the ai uses to create your image so Basically, yeah. whatever is created out of mid-journey, you, you cannot use commercially. But with Firefly, uh, uh, Adobe is only using Adobe stock images, and they are all cleared. So uh, there's no copyright issues uh, on on, uh, on their Yeah. AI machine. Which that's a big trap that uh,
0: hopefully uh, hopefully people don't fall into. You know, like uh, you know, getting themselves into copyright issues with AI. I don't. I don't know where all that's going. I'm not a lawyer. I don't have any. Uh, it,
1: it, it, I tell you where it's going into a lot of lawsuits. I know that I, Getty I mean, sued. Uh,
0: yeah, I I would say so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and um, you know the the, the the other guy you should talk to is Tim Tatter. I don't know. Uh, if he's on your radar, but he's really pushing AI into a very interesting direction. And when I was talking about uh, him with another photographer the other day, we were joking, you know, he has made such a look and name of himself with this AI thing. I think we could go now to MidJourney and say, give me a guy standing in the desert, Tim Tatter style, and he would spit it out. Uh, And... That's a little bit the beauty, but also the crux of it because you, right. you you don't need Tim Tata anymore to do Tim Tata. You just tell the machine to do like Tim Tata. You know?
0: it's, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible technology, <laughs> and it's very scary, and it's also very exciting. <laughs> so, you know, thank very- you for those two suggestions. And actually, if you don't mind, uh, we can message uh, privately after and get me connected because I would love to have those guys come on and talk.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't. I don't know. I don't know Tim personally, but I can definitely connect you with Barry. He's a great guy, and I think um, you know uh, you you uh, will it find it fascinating talking with them. Yeah.
0: Well, I found it fascinating talking to you. I want to thank you so much for uh, taking your time to come on here and talk to me and be on this show. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to say before we? Um, we in this um
1: well uh you know we could talk f- for hours obviously yeah. about uh, photography and nfts and projects but uh what well, i would like to mention i don't know when when uh, this podcast is coming out but i was invited to be speaker I- at nft nyc this year which got me really excited because uh, i didn't have any in i didn't know anyone i just applied and they selected me and it just, uh, you know, made me feel good to, to be heard and to be seen. And so I'll be in New York the week of NFT NYC. And if anybody's there from your listeners, uh, I speak on Thursday at 1 p.m. Yeah. at the art stage. I would okay. love for you to come out there. And listen to, we're going to have a panel discussion about NFT and art. And there's other great people on with me. And it would mean a lot if you come out and uh, uh, meet with me after the panel. And we talk in real life and connect. Just I uh, connected with you uh, yeah. in uh, South Carolina. Well, I'll be there in
0: uh, New York on that day at that time. And I would love to connect with you. And maybe we can uh, buy each
1: other lunch. I'll be happy to buy you lunch somewhere after. Awesome, that's that's how we do it <laughs> And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank, thanks so much for having me and for doing uh, what you do and helping us uh, telling our stories
0: I'd like to thank you all again for listening to another episode of The Ledge that was great listening to Reiner talk about his career and uh, his uh, onboarding into the world of NFTs and crypto art I'm going to drop a link to his link tree in the show notes below, and you can follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore, underscore Chris. If you like this show, please rate and review me in the podcast app that you're listening on and share this podcast with your friends. Uh, I'd appreciate any support if you're enjoying the show and I will see you guys all again here next week out on the ledge.